Hi, I'm Dave Ferguson, pastor of the Collegedale Church here on the campus of Southern Adventist University. Welcome to our podcast. We're going to explore today some of the relevant words of Jesus Christ in Scripture to my life, to your life. So enjoy the message. We are about to embark on an exciting adventure to a frozen land of castles, royal musicians, and knights. Our church is being transformed into this special land, and each evening this week, from July 19 through July 23, you may refer to us as the Knights of the North Castle. We will be on a quest to discover the armor of our great and holy King of Kings. And this morning, I want to encourage you to invite your neighbors and friends to this unique Vacation Bible School ministry event. I also want to highlight yet again the change in time. It is not from 7 to 9 each evening Monday through Friday. Please don't come at 7. Please come before 6 because it's from 6 to 8 and we hope to start right on time. And we are looking forward to having precious, your precious children here. So before we dig into God's Word and, and what he says about the value of children, I want to unpack the following question a bit more. Why is Vacation Bible School so important to the Collegedale Church? I'd like to propose three specific answers. One, Vacation Bible School demands all hands on deck. It is no small undertaking. Just ask our leadership teams who have been working and planning and organizing for months. Selena and Tim Trott, who have been creating and designing the most amazing sets. Have you noticed some of them already that are up? Incredible. Bible Story Rotation leader Patricia Salazar, Puppet Ministries leaders Delise Bravo Bussy and Jamie Leeds along with their amazing team of puppeteers. Our royal musician team, who have already been practicing and practicing and practicing those praise songs to share. Arts and crafts with Tamitha Farrow. Games led by pastors Curcio and Tabor. An amazing registration team led by Jennifer Johnson. And then during the week, we will have castle group guides and assistants, photographers, sound and video assistants, just to name a few. In fact, a very conservative estimate suggests that more than 130 volunteers representing more than 2,500 hours will be put into Vacation Bible School at our church this year. And I want to pause for a moment as I invite anyone who is participating in any way this week with Vacation Bible School, whether as a volunteer or as a child planning to attend, to simply stand for a moment, please. Don't be shy. Whether you are coming, participating, helping in some way. Thank you. And these are only a few of our amazing volunteer group. It's the body of Christ working in action. Number two, Vacation Bible School is a uniquely focused event. Our goal with VBS is to make it all about the gospel of Jesus. We pick a theme and share the message through daily Bible stories, puppet skits, games, arts and craft activities, and praise songs. And I love the theme for our VBS this year, the Knights of the North Castle. 
the quest for the king's armor. God teaches us to armor up by putting on the pieces of his armor and covering it all with prayer. He calls us to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. He wants us to learn these truths, experience his love, and then share those truths with the children in our midst. I love it when a ministry has a sharp focus, and Vacation Bible School has just that. Vacation Bible School also, number three, is a ministry that is very close to the heart of Jesus. In Matthew 19, 14, Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not stop them, because the kingdom of heaven is made up of people like this. In Matthew 21, it is children who are praising Jesus in the temple. In Luke 17, Jesus warns anyone who would cause a child to stumble that he would be better off drowned in the bottom of the sea. Statistics reflect the importance of paying attention to children in the faith as well. Most professions of faith occur before the age of 18. And while I believe that it is important for us to work to reach anybody and everybody of all ages with the good news of Jesus' love, I also understand that we need to specifically pay attention to children. During Vacation Bible School, we surely do pay attention to children. And I believe that our God is smiling, singing, laughing, and loving right along with us. So please, friends, pray for us this week. Join us. Participate in this amazing ministry time together. Six to eight each evening. Remember that, please. As we explore together how Jesus values children, let's pray for the Holy Spirit's leading. Dearest Lord, we thank you so much that you give us perfect examples of your love and how you view children, how they are your precious jewels. As we open your word and as we study together, may your spirit guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. The Old Testament is full of passages about the importance of raising children to love and worship God. In Deuteronomy 6, verse 7, parents are admonished to instruct their children in God's ways when they walk by the way, when they lie down, and when they rise up. In other words, right in their own homes. Proverbs 22, 6 shares that if a parent trains up his child in the way that he should go, when he is old, he will not depart from it. And in the fifth commandment, in Exodus 20, children are instructed to obey their parents in the Lord, that their days may be long in the land the Lord their God has given them. What a beautiful blessing and promise. In the New Testament, in the Gospels, we see Jesus' tender heart for children. He is ever gentle and kind with them and passionate about protecting them from harm. His willingness to devote time to them his recognition of their societal status and his zeal for protecting their innocence demonstrates his high regard and love for them. Therefore, the very first point of our study together of how Jesus values children is children are at the center of Jesus' heart. Children were often neglected in biblical times as they are often neglected in our society today. However, to Jesus and in his heart, they are essential to his kingdom. Every single child is a reward and blessing. Whether they are bringing their parents pride and joy, or whether they're teaching them how to be a bit more patient and forgiving, 
Children are a gift from God and a source for the growth of his kingdom here on earth. Psalm 127 verse 3 says that children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. There is no question that God values children and much time and attention should be placed on training them and raising them in him. Ellen G. White shares in the Ministry of Healing, page 380, this quote. Too much importance cannot be placed upon the early training of children. The lessons learned, the habits formed, during the years of infancy and childhood have more to do with the formation of the character and the direction of the life than have all the instruction and training of later years. God knows that children can bring us closer to him and help grow our own Christian characters for our entire lives. The story we shared from Mark chapter 10 in our children's story today can also be found in Matthew 19 and Luke 18. Since it is shared in the Gospels three different times, it must give us great insight into the heart and character of Jesus as a true friend of children. We can deduce several things about our Jesus from this passage of Scripture. We know Jesus must not have been stern and grave as he interacted with the children in our story, for these are not attributes that make children feel welcomed. And oh, how they felt welcomed by Jesus. He surely must not have appeared silly or weak, for this would not have made the mothers feel that they could trust him. And we know that the mothers trusted Jesus. Oh, he felt strong emotions. He was upset when the disciples tried to keep the children away, and he was not afraid to rebuke them. This controlled strength along with a genuine attitude and openness, drew people to Jesus. It also demonstrated to the mothers that Jesus would stand up for their children and protect them. Jesus' words concerning children were extremely important and contrasted with practices of pagans of the day. It was common practice in both Greece and Rome to abandon unwanted children by the roadside to let them die. Later, early Christians were known for taking in these orphans and caring for them. The mothers who brought small children to Jesus that day, doubtless, were parents who believed in him. They wanted him to lay his hands on their little ones, praying for them, imparting his blessings. According to most early Greek manuscripts of Luke 18, in verse 15, the little children were actually infants. The fact that they were brought may indicate that they were being carried. They were too small to come on their own. In wanting Jesus to pronounce a blessing of well-being when laying his hands upon those little ones and praying for them, the parents revealed their love and concern for their children. When the disciples saw what was happening, they reprimanded those who brought their children to Jesus. The accounts do not reveal the exact reason for their objection. Possibly the disciples thought that the little ones were too young for this kind of attention, or that Jesus had more important work to do than to spend time with small children. Today's text is the only time in the Gospels the word indignant, much displeased in the King James Version, is used to describe Jesus' attitude. The word in the Amplified Version is described as indignant and pained. 
This was directed to the disciples who rebuked those who were bringing the children to Jesus. They thought they were doing Jesus a favor by protecting him from the nuisance of these little children. His time was limited after all. Crowds took up valuable space. Children were noisy and pampers were yet to be invented. So babies could certainly be smelly. Jesus had many pressing adult issues to deal with that were surely more important. In the disciples' opinions, children had no place in their system of religion, no place before God. In fact, until they were old enough to do more things to earn God's favor, children were not worth much of anything at all. The disciples needed a teachable moment to learn exactly how children fit into Jesus' kingdom. And Jesus took that opportunity. Jesus responded in Mark 10, verse 14, when Jesus saw this, when he saw the attitude of the disciples and he saw them chasing back these parents, he was indignant. Again, that strong verb, to be angry, to be irate. In other words, he was just as angry with his disciples as they were at the parents for bringing the children. See, the way we treat children, the way we provide for them, is not some insignificant minor issue with Jesus. He's upset when he sees children mistreated or slighted in any way. That is because he is a friend to children. He loves them, and they are close to his heart. Jesus asked that the little children be invited to come to him and that they should not be hindered. He then used the opportunity to stress an important truth. The kingdom of God is for or belongs to such as these. And further, truly, I say to you, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will not, no, never, enter into it. Jesus' point was unexpected but clear. All who accept God's reign in their life, recognizing him as sovereign and submitting to his ways, must be like small children, trusting, innocent, teachable, and unassuming. We need to change our mindset and think as children think. Oh, not that we should become immature and act childish in the traditional sense, but that we accept things in simplicity. Children have a way of believing everything you say and believing it as fact if they trust you. It is only when we grow up that we tend to question everything. The currency of the kingdom of heaven is faith. It is what moves God's heart and what the great people of God are known for. Therefore, Jesus is telling us, have faith like a child. In addition, the humility of children is often very evident. It can be a beautiful thing to watch. Although children may compete with each other in games and such, the humility they have without even knowing it is astounding. The Word says repeatedly that our job is to humble ourselves in God's sight and then He will be exalted. Watch a child and learn this beautiful kingdom trait. Another precious quality we may emulate from a child is true and pure joy. And I would like to ask for a short video clip to be shown at this time, which totally speaks for itself. Uh, we have accepted Christ as his Savior and as his Lord, and he will demonstrate his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, by willingly being baptized this morning. He's been waiting on this day a long time. <laughs> and so Jordan, upon the profession of your faith, 
in the Lord Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Go Jordan! I simply cannot watch that darling video without a smile and a laugh. Little Jordan was so excited about being baptized that he could not contain his joy. Isn't that how we should walk the Christian journey? Full of joy and in deep love with our Creator and Savior. Over the course of his ministry, Jesus often presented children as an example of the type of faith adults are to have. The idea that God can use children to teach us that we have an opportunity to gain spiritual insight from those we are called to raise and teach comes from Jesus himself, who in this regard was something of a revolutionary. In the first century, children enjoyed little esteem and virtually no respect. While families appreciated their own children, society merely tolerated them. The very language of the day reveals this first century prejudice. One Greek word for child, paideon, also can mean servant or slave. And yet another, napios, carries connotations of inexperience, foolishness, and helplessness. Greek philosophers regularly chided a foolish man by calling him napios. Imagine then the people's astonishment when Jesus brings a troublesome, noisy child and places him in front of the crowd in our scripture reading passage today from Matthew 18. With his hand on the lad's shoulder, Jesus has the audacity to suggest that this small type provides an example to be followed. He then chided his disciples, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like this little child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. According to Jesus, the qualities of children that are worthy of emulation are humility and simple acceptance. A child does not think about earning, deserving, or even paying for blessings. He is not trying to earn acceptance. He or she simply hopes and accepts with joy. In other words, until we begin to mimic the openness, the honesty, the humility of a child, we cannot really ever expect to understand the kingdom of Jesus. Jesus wants each of us to possess a childlike faith, a pure, unassuming, and humble faith. This straightforward type of faith allows us to receive God's gift of salvation without pretension or hypocrisy. It allows us to believe unswervingly that God is who he says he is. Like children who rely on their parents' provision for daily needs, we should humbly depend on our Heavenly Father for provision in both the spiritual and physical realms. In that same passage in Matthew 18, Jesus makes it clear how we should treat children. By treating children well, we are treating Jesus well. In the first century, children had very little rights. By welcoming and serving those that society did not value, Jesus welcomed and served God. Jesus was such a strong protector of children and gave strong warning to anyone who would cause them difficulty when he stated in Matthew 18, verses 6 and 7, If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. 
Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. When Jesus had something important to say, he often used hyperbole. This was his way of communicating the sheer magnitude of his messages. You see this in the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus tells the crowd, and if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. When it comes to temptation, we are all responsible for our own behaviors. However, here Jesus wants his listeners to understand the dangers of being the vehicle through which temptation comes. If your behavior leads innocent children astray, it is better to be tossed into the depths of the sea than to face the judgment of Jesus. Jesus taught us that children are not a waste. They are precious. They should be loved and protected. The disciples were preventing the little children from coming to Jesus. But now for a moment of perhaps hard introspection. Are there sometimes, without even realizing it, that we also devalue the worth of children, just as the disciples did? How, you might ask? Well, we might do it by our attitude. Oh, children are annoying, messy, and noisy in church. Or maybe by our example. Do what I say, not what I do. Why would our child want to follow us to Jesus if we are acting as a hypocrite? Or perhaps by our theology. Children can't understand the Bible and the truths. They're far too young. So why should I even try to explain it to them? Or maybe by not offering the kind of programming, age-appropriate, developmentally appropriate programming for them in our churches, and then by not serving and not volunteering in them when we are able. Those are all ways that we hamper or seriously hinder children from getting to Jesus. Jesus flung open his arms to embrace children. He called them to him. He gathered them in his arms and on his knees. He loved them. And what our Jesus loves and values, we should love and value. So point number one is that Jesus values children because they are at the center of his heart. Now point number two, children are at the center of evangelism ministry. Let me pause for a minute to ask a question. Do you love your children, your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews, any children that are in your lives? Oh, I surely do adore all of mine. I love them more than words can say, and, and I want nothing but the best for them. They are at the center of my heart. And I'll even let you in on a little secret. If you want to connect with me absolutely immediately, just ask me about my grandchildren. I'm going to ask for the picture to come up. Hudson, Olivia, and Brooke. There they are. There seems to always be a new story to share, and it gives me great joy to do so. For example, if we can go to the next slide, when my three-year-old grandson Hudson looked up at me recently and said, I very, very love you, Mimi. Or when he told my daughter, Mommy, I want to be right next to Mimi when we fly to heaven with Jesus. Amen, honey, up there. Or when my Olivia cups her little hand and invites, Come, Mimi. Come, Mimi. Let's play. Because she just wants us to spend time together. Or when my little Brookie lays her head down on my shoulder, pops her thumb in her mouth, and cuddles in for some Mimi snuggles. God has indeed blessed me with these grandchildren. And there isn't anything I wouldn't do for them. <laughs> my love for them is never-ending, immense, and ever-growing. 
and yet it surely pales in comparison to the love my heavenly Father has for them. However, wait a minute, back to our point. Yes, children are precious indeed, but are they at the heart of evangelism ministry? Isn't evangelism ministry all about ministering to the adults in our churches and communities? If we answer God's call to love his little children, his little lambs, well, will we in so doing impact the other older members of their families for Jesus? Is this true? I have seen how true this statement is in my own personal ministry experience. When my children were little and I was serving as the leader of the Craterall Division for 13 years in my church, we would often have visitors in my Sabbath school classroom that hadn't been to the church for many years. They had decided to return to church to bring their children to Sabbath school. One family in particular became dear friends of our family and even became partners in my ministry. My friend shared with me one day the primary reason she continued to come back to church each Sabbath was because I remembered her daughter's names and welcomed them each time they entered my classroom. Isn't that very simple? It absolutely is. But it was meaningful to this family. When we make an impact on someone's child, we bless the whole family as well. Sue Miller knows a few things about children's ministries and about child evangelism. For the past 13 years, she has been the children's pastor at Willow Creek Evangelical Community Church, a church of over 40,000 members. She has ministered to thousands of children every week. In her book, Making Your Children's Ministry the Best Hour of Every Kid's Week, she has stated, today, I believe the single remaining common interest or entrance point for non-churched people into the life of the church is children. Now, if this is true, that the primary interest point of unchurched parents is their children, when we reach out to their children, we're reaching out to them. When you love a parent's child, a grandparent's child, you're loving them, you're showing them that Jesus cares and the church cares. You're building a relationship of trust with them. As a result, they become more open to the claims of Jesus. In other words, if we, if we want to reach our communities for Jesus, we simply must reach out to children. Renowned pollster George Barna has studied and written extensively on the relationship of children to the gospel and discovered some sobering facts. Between the ages of birth and 14, there is a 32% chance an individual will accept Jesus. After that point, the number drops quickly to only 6% during the rest of their lives. The religious beliefs a person develops by the age of 13 are pretty much the set of beliefs they will maintain until they die. Out of every 100 Americans, only 42 will make any kind of commitment to Jesus in their lifetime. 32 of that 42 will make their decision prior to age 12. Only four will commit to Christ in their teen years, while only the remaining six will find faith following high school. From George Barner's book, Transforming Children into Spiritual Champions. Jesus knew that a childlike heart is critical in order for a person to be able to receive his message of salvation and grace. As we grow older, we become more resistant to the gospel. Our hearts become hardened by pride and we become more self-reliant. However, the hearts of children are soft and open. That is why I believe we need to concentrate so many of our efforts on them 
When Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of heaven, he was not just talking about the heavenly kingdom. He was talking about the earth, the earthly one right now. He knew that there is a time in a person's life where they are most open to learning about what it means to trust God. It is a season somewhere between the ages of 4 and 14 called the 414 window when people are more moldable than at any other time in their life. He knew that what is rooted in the heart of a child is almost impossible to uproot in the life of an adult, either for good or for bad. Jesus put the child in the midst of his disciples as an example. And so we need to put the child in the midst of our church. These seasons are no accident. When we read in Ecclesiastes 3, 1, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. God really means everything. What is the value of children's ministry in the Adventist church? And where does our denomination stand in valuing children and the ministry to them? Well, children's ministry was first recognized officially in the Adventist church in 1863 when Adelia Patton wrote a two-year series of lessons for children that were published in a magazine for youth called The Youth's Instructor from 1864 to 1868. The Sabbath School Quarterly for Children and even Vacation Bible School emerged during this time. Children's ministries became a subset of other areas in church ministries. But it wasn't until July 4, 1995, at the General Conference session in the Netherlands, that delegates officially voted children's ministries as a separate department of the Adventist Church. So our church was founded in 1863, and it wasn't until 132 years later that ministry to children was formally separately recognized by the church. Now here are a few of the reasons why children's ministry should be important to the Adventist Church. Children's ministries connect children with Jesus, and children are important to him. The primary goal or role of children's ministries is to help children get to know Jesus as their Savior and King. Children's ministries is one of the greatest evangelistic endeavors, as we talked about. When we reach children, we reach their families. Children's ministries helps the church to pass on the faith. What a way to tell the story of Jesus to future generations. Children's ministries helps train future church leaders. This is an opportunity to model good leadership and train children to be exemplary leaders in the church and the world. Children's Ministries creates the opportunity for children to highlight their talents. The church is an ideal place for children to learn to recognize and develop their talents and share them with others. We must involve children in all areas of ministry within and without the church. As volunteers that serve in our church's children's ministry areas, we must emulate Jesus' love to our children. We must let them see Jesus in us. To be effective, we must reach children in ways that are appropriate to their stage of development. Reach them at their level. Love and nurture them. And we must balance our ministry to our children with constant prayer for God's guidance as we handle his most precious jewels. The last reason I propose children are important to Jesus and should be important to us is that children are at the center of our future. Now, while this is a true statement, it is also one of my greatest pet peeves. It is too easy to say that children are our future in the church without also realizing that they are indeed our present as well. 
They must be valued today as well as tomorrow. They have gifts and talents that should be used now for the glory of God and to advance his kingdom. Rick Cromie in his book, Energizing Children's Ministry in the Smaller Church, states, I know one thing is certain. Growing dynamic churches recognize that children matter to God. The most obvious sign of a church in decline is how much it de-emphasizes and devalues the children in its own congregation. We need to ask ourselves, do we want to be a growing dynamic church or do we want to be a church in decline? Our answer is found in how we approach children's ministry. In the past, it may have been easier to see children's ministry as more of a diaper-changing business than as a life-changing business. But that needs to change. A principle I have observed over the years is that Satan always tries to crush anything in infancy when it is weak and helpless. Think of baby Moses, baby Jesus, new church plants. Why? Because he knows its future potential. If he can destroy a child's faith in God while they are still young and impressionable, he has them for life. It's a classic elephant and rope scenario. The old story of the elephant and rope has been around for a while. Baby elephants, it seems, were traditionally trained by tying one of their front legs to a stake in the ground. Because the baby elephants are small, only a thin rope is required. They will struggle and pull at first, but eventually they realize that they can't break the rope. And they'll simply give up and stop trying. Well, elephants grow fast, of course. Before long, those cute babies are lumbering giants. But here's the thing. That same thin rope is all that is needed to keep them secured. They think the rope can still hold them, although it certainly could not. But they never try to break free. The comparison to children is that when they are young and impressionable, we may tell them what they cannot do and hold them back in an invisible rope. When they are actually old enough to break it and make their own choices and decisions, they still might believe what they were taught about their own inabilities and will be held back from accomplishing all God has meant them to be and do. So we cannot wait until children grow up to be teens or adults to engage them in ministry opportunities because many times that will be too late. They have already experienced enough pain and hurt in this world that they have given up on God. We as a church have the opportunity and privilege to stop that trend by reaching preschool and elementary children for Jesus now, we will be reaching the adults of the future. Our children have talents that need to be used in our church right away. They are so very capable of sharing scripture, playing an instrument, singing a worship song, serving in outreach ministry projects, loving and caring on fellow church members, assisting with children in younger classrooms, etc., etc. There are countless ways in which we can engage our children to serve, and the time to do so is now. This next week, we will have many children as young as 11 years old serving and ministering throughout our Vacation Bible School program. In fact, I want to extend a challenge to the children in attendance today. The children who will be attending Vacation Bible School this week, please look out for the ones in your groups that you do not already know and make friends with them. Make them feel welcome, talk to them, laugh with them, share with them, sing and play with them as they go throughout the week. 
Now, we will have amazing decorations. We will have fun puppet skits, wonderful Bible stories, great crafts, fun songs. But all of those things will mean nothing. Let me repeat that. All of those things will mean nothing if the children at our Vacation Bible School do not feel loved and welcomed. They will not want to return to VBS on the next night or the next if no one talks to them and makes them feel special. If they do not believe that Vacation Bible School will not be the same and will be somehow lacking without their presence. And that can only happen if the children attending our Vacation Bible School commit to making new friends for Jesus this VBS week. The children in attendance will see Jesus shining out of each of you, and then they will be drawn to return. They will not want to miss the next night because they felt wanted and welcomed. And by the way, isn't that exactly how every adult feels as they enter our church? Therefore, children, set the example for us and do as Jesus would do if he were sitting right next to the new children visiting in our midst. Jesus would welcome them, smile at them, talk to them, laugh with them, because Jesus valued children. He would always make them his friends. This is something only the children in our midst can do. Oh, our leaders will help, and I certainly pray they will be loving and welcoming. But it is in relationships that our Jesus always shines through best. As we prepare to enter this very busy week, which will be all about ministry to children, it is appropriate to remember that one, children are at the center of Jesus' heart. Two, children are at the center of evangelism ministry. Three, children are at the center of our present and our future. In closing, I want to share with you a short chorus that we used to sing weekly in our church in Lemonster, Massachusetts, as our then young children would come forward every Sabbath for the children's stories. I believe the message of this short song is the message of Jesus' heart. Let them come, let them come, let the children come to me. I have time, I have time, said the Savior tenderly. Let them come, let them come. Please don't send them away. I have time, let them come, let them stay. It is my prayer that we will always let the little children come. May we be a blessing to them and in turn draw near to the very heart of God. 